to show mercy to Julian. We begin in the United Kingdom. We are calling for what's known as a royal prerogative of mercy for Julian Assange. A royal pardon such as was received by World War II codebreaker Alan Turing a decade ago, but unfortunately many years after his death. And by setting the Diana date of August 31st, we are calling on younger members of the royal family and MPs to lead the way on this very noble cause. A chance to do something actually beneficial that will be memorialized for future generations. On August 31st, we're calling for what will be known as the Assangeathon. If you are an alternative media personality, public figure, artist, or any other walk of life, plan ahead and make those days from midnight to midnight focused on Julian. Run documentaries, conduct interviews, share Julian's story. We're also requesting that individuals from different political persuasions invite each other on their shows, not to argue about the hot topic of the day, but to unite for the freedom of Julian Assange. Make it so that anywhere people go or whatever people are watching on that day, they'll be informed or reminded of his plight. We're giving everyone a few weeks to prepare. This is not just for those in media. This is for the people of the world. If you're a baker, feature cakes with Assange's photo. If you're an artist, use your talents to join in from now until then. If you're a musician, make a song. If you're a citizen of a, of a country, just go out and wear pins or shirts or hats. Start conversations. If you're on social media, change your avatar, put your banner up, and send copy Julian and his family and send messages of encouragement. Film yourself writing letter to Julian while he's being held captive. Read the letter and upload it to TikTok as you send it. Imagine how inspirational that'd be for others and for him to eventually hear and see. This two-part presentation is hastened a little bit because we fear for Julian's safety heading into the coming season. There are many extraordinary, both good and bad, events that are undoubtedly about to take place in the fall and beyond. As you look around, you can see that things haven't exactly been as stable as you may have remembered in the past. We must continue to right historical wrongs like this now, not later. During heavy news cycles, people often forget about unresolved ongoing persecution, situations like Julian's, which can provide cover for score settling by the bad actors. Do you understand what we're telling you? We're tired of losing good men and women who simply want to bring consequential information and truth to the people. How many can you name that suddenly died over the past year, the past two years, the past three years? We're tired of losing people. And we're tired of people dying. We're tired of the persecution. And it has to stop. No more wet works. Over the past 15 years or so, independent media 
has been built up to a point that has never been seen before in history. But every now and then, we need a test to actually see what we are capable of if we come together as one, one people. We don't know what the outcome of this is gonna be. We just felt it was our duty and the results are in God's hands. And to Julian, when you hear this, know that you are the rarest of rare souls that has that unique ability to knock down barriers between warring tribes. You listen to everyone. You show no contempt towards those you disagree with, and we could all learn a lot from you on that. You care about getting things right. You care about protecting innocent people. We need more Julian Assange's in this world. So like I said, this feed is now being cut on all the other platforms. It is important for people uh, to uh, understand what whistleblowing really is and what protections really don't exist and what the difference is between Assange and Snowden. It's pretty simple. Hollywood loves Snowden. There you go. Now, there's more to that, but I would say that would be the rule of thumb. So please come and join me on Rumble. So that way you can get the full show. Obviously, it will be available for download in audio only on iTunes, TuneIn, and whatever radio station will be streaming my show. It's uh, the, the app is pretty good. Obviously, the live chat is lit. We've got people where you can actually grow your family of community. Whistleblowing. A lot of people seem to forget that almost anyone that has spoken up that has provided any ounce of truth has either, number one, been discredited uh, through use and means of, of the law, the full force of the law. Others have been found uh, guilty of crimes that never happened. If you remember, Julian Assange was accused of rape and all these things that were not even true. But still, they will try to taint you so that way whatever you speak of is, according to them, fully discredited. They will retroactively plant evidence. They will create millions of websites and bots and and people will just thump that information. Uh, people talk as if they know what Julian Assange is and does. If it wasn't for people like Julian Assange, you would never know the crimes that many governments have committed against their own citizens. And unfortunately, in this day and age, people loathe the truth because the truth not only shines light into things that no one would stand with, but it also shows the people that they've been duped. And nobody likes to be told that, you know, they were used as a tool or that they're dumb or, ha, you literally helped that happen. Nobody likes that. Truth hurts, but it only hurts once, that first impact. After that, it's all good. See, that's the problem that we have in today's society. In today's society, it's whatever the media tells us. Now, for those that supported or not supported President Trump, I really don't care where you sit on the political spectrum. I don't. We are literally in the same boat. 
the boat of the United States, the boats of the state we live in, the boat of our county. And yet we're the very same individuals poking holes in that boat to sink because we can't handle the truth. And while many sit there, I just want the truth. Well, if you flip on CNN or any rag out there, it's not going to give it to you. And usually the ones that get trashed the most, the ones that have regular scripts that people push out, you know, kind of like Julian, he was a rapist, it's a Swedish this and this and oh my gosh, and this and this, you know, they just keep going and going. Oh, he hacked. Oh, he did this. Oh, you know, these are scripts. They go down a list. I know. I've been on the receiving end because like I said, I myself, I'm a whistleblower. Nobody likes whistleblowers because you're telling on them, telling on them how they're using federal funding to enrich themselves, telling on them how they're using state funding to enrich themselves, telling on them how they're using global corporate, global interests, and foreign influence money to control you. And that is exactly it. That's the problem that we have. Now, some whistleblowers are crafted in a nice way in order to cause more chaos, like Snowden. And you always have to look at the intention, right? What gain did Julian Assange have for sharing this information? And you know, there's a lot of information he didn't share because he knew that people would simply lose their mind. You know, whistleblowing happens in many different ways. One way is by, oops, accidentally saying things on national TV. Having confessions in a stream of consciousness that you wouldn't expect. That is also whistleblowing. So, uh, before I disrupt the feed, let me show you one whistleblower that you wouldn't expect who accidentally made it public. Accidentally made public why all these politicians are headed to other countries under the guise of spreading democracy and helping people. The same thing I've been saying for years. See, whistleblowing doesn't just come under the form of, oh, I'm going to write a report and tell. How do you write a report? Think. Let's pretend that you work for a defense agency or the Central Intelligence Agency or the National Reconnaissance Office or, well, they're pretty good, actually. I should leave the NRO out. Pretty stellar people right there. But I, I want you to throw in a say. They file a report through this anonymous portal. Do you know who owns that portal? Yeah, it's the CIA. It's their equipment. In fact, the CIA also has whistleblower uh, programs within the Senate and House. And if you remember, it was CIA Director John Brennan that was spanked and scolded for spying on the Senate and House. And he said, well, we did install the machines. I mean, I don't know why you're complaining. We own those machines, don't we? This is, this is key. What people don't realize is that a whistleblower has the biggest target on their back. And some of them are killed in the darkness because they didn't have the cover of the public presence or they didn't have, what do they call kill switches or data that if it did come out upon their death, well, that would be kind of hard to cover up. 
So they usually use the whole slander route. Let's 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 look at unconventional whistleblowers that whistle blew without blowing the whistle that told us everything that's happening now. If you remember years ago, there was this Albanian young guy, really cocky guy, right? His name was Martin Shkreli, rich, young, all into pharmaceuticals. He takes hold of a very specific drug, a specific drug that has to do with HIV. You know, the stuff that they're telling us we need now to maintain our health. He, he takes that drug and files to have a patent and takes it from where nobody was using it and it was worth pennies because literally your medication is less than half a penny to produce at, I don't know, Teva Pharmaceuticals down in Mexico or wherever your, uh, you know, pharmaceutical company transacts with. But he takes it and he makes the price extraordinary. Why? That drew attention. Why are they hiding this medication. Why is this not widely available? Now you're worried about a medication that no one really prescribes that has to do with, I don't know, antivirals and stuff. See, people don't pay attention to the details. They like to look at the headlines. They listen to these people that they see with the nice hair and the fancy clothes that are all funded by the same corporations that you consume, your coffee, your clothes, your food, your water. And then you get onto that hamster wheel, spending your money, right? consuming their goods, but at the same time, they're consuming you. They run the narrative and that's the problem. And you know, whistleblowers are the worst thing to happen to establishment, to the establishment. Now, as someone that's highly censored for just whistleblowing, I was targeted too. Not as bad as Assange because the things that he's done are just simply amazing. So before we cut, before I cut the feed, let's take a look at a bona fide whistleblower that whistle blew without really saying he's whistleblowing. Security advisor John Bolton confessed on Tuesday to have helped the planet keep the tide in different countries. During a televised interview in which he referred to Donald Trump's responsibility in entirety in the capital, the U.S. diplomat affirmed that data overthrowing a government is a lot of work. On our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you, to be, to be uh, fair, with all due respect. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it, it takes, takes a, lot a lot of work. work. And, and that's, that's not, not what he did. did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's, there's no, no doubt. doubt. But, but not to overthrow the Constitution, to buy more time to throw the matter back to the states to try and redo the issue. So, in essence, Bolton admitted to conducting coup d'etats in other countries. In other words, everything that I have been saying is true. Because we can't have leaders in other nations being elected by their people. How did McCain say it to me? Don't be, uh, don't be silly. We can't have people electing their leaders. That would lead to chaos. And there, my friends, comes my expertise in elections. But Bolton said it. So now can we agree that this happens under the guise of USA development? See, 
That's how they do it. All you have to do is take a look at USA development from the State Department sites and see what their motto is. We're bringing democracy, whether they like it or not, with our fantastic selection of leaders. See, this is what people don't like, the truth. The truth knowing that their money have funded the slaughter of innocent human beings across this globe. The ripping apart nations with your federal tax dollars. But you know what? Let me add to that. Your federal tax dollars actually fund the psychological operations and the media. I mean, didn't they just bail them out? Like, why are we bailing out the media? Hmm. That's an interesting thought right there. And while everyone is all riled up on transparency, oh, we're going to get Twitter. Don't you see it? Twitter is a government product. Facebook, YouTube. How do I know? Let's pretend I set up a business. In 99% of the contracts that I have that bring me income are with federal agencies. Does that make me a private company or a quasi-official government agency? That's a legit question. So while we fly to the moon, I will be discontinuing the fees so we can continue today's show. Well, 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 whistle while you work. Well, actually, that's highly and strongly recommended against, especially from government businesses, especially from defense contractors, especially from contracting agencies. What really happens to whistleblowers? Well, I mean, depends. How do you define a whistleblower? Do you define a whistleblower, the one that the public uh, media embraces? What about the government supporting them? Because, you know, it would be really weird that they put the government officials in very weird positions because they agree that it must be, the whistles must be blown and people must speak up. But at the same time, they're like, damn it, I can't approve it because uh, national security. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's like a blanket term for we don't have to tell you because we classified it in national security. So you dumb people trust us. We know what we're doing. Okay. And now whistleblowers are everywhere. They come out of companies, uh, uh, brick and mortar companies. You know, we've had whistleblowers that blew the whistles on pharmacies, on coaxing people to get their medications. We've got people that blow whistles, you know, from McDonald's and, you know, what their, how their meat production is done. We have whistleblowers from, you know, uh, clothing lines that blow whistles on using little children in countries. You know, we have whistleblowers in regards to, you know, money going missing. Like, for example, did you know that the Ohio GOP misappropriated $3 million? No one's gone to jail and everyone's like, well, I don't know. And of course, the Secretary of State that um, audits businesses uh, says, oh, we just haven't audited them. We don't audit them. That makes a lot of sense. $3 million misappropriated. Nobody knows where it is, but no one went to jail. That's not, that sounds like chump change then, huh? I guess the GOP thinks $3 million in chump change. But in actual fact, it would actually balance the books and show where that money came from. And nobody wants that now, do they? See, whistleblowers occur in every industry. There is no industry that does not have someone to say, you know, this is wrong. We must speak up. 
And it is whistleblowers that are shaping the future. Now, unfortunately, whistleblowers don't come out for the same reason that I said. There are really no protections. Because when you realize that the consumer industries are tied into your government industries and a whistleblower in a consumer industry impacts government work, I can tell you, they will take you out like no other. Now, if people understood the gravity of how intertwined, you know, let me take a step back. China. Ew, they're commies. They're communists. It's everything is Chinese owned and run. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. But America is free, right? How many companies do our federal agencies that are massive companies part of? See, that's the thing. They tell you to look over there and see communism, (laughs) but it's already here. And they distract you with little things. Oh, I don't want to say little things. Portions of their crimes. Depending on what panders to you, you focus on that. That way you're busy focusing on one little section of this whole conglomerate and monster that has overtaken your nation and has subdued you into slavery without your knowledge, uh, slapping invisible cuffs on you, and you're none the wiser. See, whistleblowers come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them are very eloquent speakers. Some of them are angry. Some of them are autistic. Some of them are girls. Some of them are boys. Some of them were boys that became girls, right? Um, But without them, you wouldn't know the truth. And that's the thing. Like Julian Assange Assange said, wars have been created by lies. Therefore, peace can be promoted through truth. And truth, right, hurts. I know it does. It really, really does. And I think more it's an ego thing, right, that people have to accept that they've been duped. Truth is what cuts all the BS out. You could put lipstick on a pig, but the truth is it's still a pig. You can put perfume all over a homeless person that hasn't bathed in two months, but under that, the stench is still there. You can't mask it for long. And that's what whistleblowers do. They rip the band-aids off. So, before we get into that, let's talk about how the State Department issued a travel warning for people traveling outside of the United States. I would highly recommend that if you have any family or friends that live overseas and have the ability, any American citizen overseas should come back to the United States because it'll be very difficult for the United States to protect American citizens outside of our borders. Now, having said that public service announcement, I want to ask a question. Let's just ask a real, real bottom line question. Physicists have now alleged that they've analyzed the earliest light in the universe and detected dark matter from 12 billion years ago. (laughs) 
They've done that. But until today, nobody can guarantee that our elections are safe with electronic voting. (laughs) And until today, we still have no idea what happened in Vegas. Wait, (laughs) until today, we still don't understand why our elections on a state level have classified portions. And I could keep going. I'm just trying to show the irony of things. We can analyze dark matter from 12 billion years ago, but we don't know what happened in Vegas. We're still sussing out the J6. We don't know, you know, where 23 years of attorney general emails in North Dakota and law enforcement emails went. But I guess, you know, the criminal that took the fall for the cartels that the police covered up for killed himself in prison, you know, because they convinced everyone that in under 12 minutes, he conducted all a series of events. Please go back and listen to my show about the Mandan massacre. I believe I even played the voicemail from the FBI agent who asked me how I had the information that there was a Colombian necktie thing. And that's because I just know things. So as I've put all this out, I also want to point out how Jeff Bezos, considering the State Department sent that alert out, he had an unfinished mega yacht and it was towed away from the Dutch port in the middle of the night. That tells you everything you need to know. Unfinished mega yacht towed from a Dutch port in the middle of the night. Now, let me show you some whistleblowers that may hurt you. That you, you may think, oh my gosh, the atrocities. But yes, these things are real. And then let's get to know a little bit about Julian Assange. Apology. And for them to come face to face with me, tell me these things did happen, honestly tell me that they were sorry it happened, and that would they please, if at all possible, never let it happen to children again. Can a person forget something so awful as abuse? Governments in Germany, the UK, Canada, Ireland, and Australia have all uncovered horrific abuse at orphanages. But America has never reckoned with the effects of the orphanage system, even though, during the 20th century, more than 5 million kids passed through it. Many of them weren't actually orphaned. Oftentimes, they had young single mothers, or parents who struggled with alcohol, the law, or simply couldn't afford to raise them. In the mid-1990s, more than 100 former residents of St. Joseph's Orphanage in Burlington, Vermont, came forward and said, they had been brutally abused. But neither Vermont nor the federal government pressed criminal charges. If survivors wanted justice, it would be up to them to try to get it on their own. 28 of them sued the diocese, the order of nuns that ran the orphanage, and the local government agency that oversaw it. Christine Keneally is an investigative reporter who spent four years researching St. Joseph's for BuzzFeed News. 
the only reason I was able to learn about this story was because these people in their 60s and 70s and 80s who've been trying to forget what happened to them their entire life were willing to give me a chance, were willing to tell me their story once more to see if I would believe them. Sally Dale lived at St. Joseph's from age 2 to 23, perhaps longer than any other child. She said the nuns there beat her regularly. That photograph is a photograph of you uh, at a time when you were receiving virtually daily beatings at the hands of uh, people at the St. Joseph's Orphanage? Yes, sir. Repeatedly locked her inside a small container that was kept in the attic. I could not really sit up straight. I definitely couldn't stand up. And you really couldn't lay down flat. And sexually abused her. After whatever happened in her bedroom she'd bring me by the hair and bring me back to my bed of course before that she'd spank me in her room could tell me i was a bad girl in the morning when we cut up she would have me sitting on the floor beside my bed and she would make all the other kids laugh at me and tell them what a bad girl i was during the night but those aren't the most serious allegations i saw Somebody push a boy out the window. And I was looking up at the building. And to tell you who the nun was, I can't say. But I knew it was a nun because she had to have any kind of hit. And well, I guess you'd call it. It was a bounce. And then he laid still. Sally also said she saw a boy drown after he was thrown off a rowboat and into a lake. All I said is, did he drown? Who'd you say that to? To the nun. And she said, oh, don't worry, he's gone home for good. Many other kids from St. Joseph's told similar stories. This is Ed Dupree explaining how he was thrown off a boat. I was fighting for my life when I was swimming ashore. And did this happen to other children? Oh, yes. Yes. You All the time that I was there, it happened. Can you Every see? summer. Patty Zeno said a nun named Sister Priscilla tried to push her off a windowsill when she was standing on the outside washing the window. The windows were open, probably like this, so that they could hold you by your ankles. And she just went. Okay. And what happened? I started to fall. The survivors who sued said that for decades they'd lost hold of their memories and only recently remembered the awful things that had happened. Sally said she recovered her memories of the abuse after attending a survivor's reunion. The memories all flowed back to me, okay, in 1994, at that first reunion. The idea that childhood abuse could be repressed and then recovered at a later date was a relatively new and still very controversial concept. Many experts thought it was basically a fraud. The idea of of having repressed memories is a theory which was developed uh, and which has never been substantiated. The nun's lawyer, John Sartori, an attorney known as Darth Vader by some of his colleagues, uncovered a number of inconsistencies in the former orphan's memories. For example, Patty said she first remembered the incident with Sister Priscilla when she read an article in the local paper about Sally's lawsuit. I went ballistic. In what sense? I literally flew out of the chair, um, started shaking, crying. Was that the first time you had recalled that incident? Yes, sir. 
but Sally said she and Patty talked about it shortly after the reunion, two years prior. The question of when the memories were recovered was just one of the inconsistent. When the memories were recovered, I think it's more when they're brave enough to speak up. And that's the thing. People will, you know, push aside memories to save themselves because it keeps you sane. I mean, I've been trying to erase almost two decades of memories with one person, but I'm picking at them to see what did I miss? See, people would not understand any of this or believe that any of this is real because as you see these these people that were on the receiving and the victims are never listened to they can't whistle blow now well they whistle blew when they were kids too do you remember that whole thing about the satanic cult in australia yeah that was a big thing in the 80s it's almost as if they were showing you what they were doing you remember that right and if that sounds like, like a warning, warning then that's exactly what it's meant to be it deals with the sexual abuse of children by satanic cults, and not only that, human sacrifices as well. We started investigating these secret satanic cults when a British member of parliament linked them with the ritual murder of children. In this day and age, it sounded too far-fetched, as did suggestions that the same thing might be happening in Australia. But then we met Teresa. She's only 15, and for 12 of those years, she's been the victim of relentless depravity. Teresa's story is both shocking and compelling, yet it's a story she's anxious to tell. But again, we should warn you that parts of this report may be distressing. Friends of family and strangers and my family used to rape me, um, make me uh, abort the babies I had. It would be hard to imagine more misery and suffering than what Teresa says she's had to endure. And us kids would be made to do things with the adults and the animals and then a, a sacrifice would happen. The sacrifice? Uh, were these animal sacrifices? Animals and um, people. On what scale do you think this was happening? Enormous. Far beyond what we've ever heard of here before. Teresa's mother, Bridget. You, you're talking about mass murder? Yes. On a scale that this country's never heard of before. Like the old people's homes now. For the first time, Teresa is learning what it's like to live with love instead of fear. In this quiet English village, with the help of her mother, she's slowly repairing her broken life. Teresa is now 15, but at the age of two, she was left in the care of this woman, the grandma she called Nan. And that, she says, is when a torment started. Who was the leader? Who was, uh, who was the boss? Of the gang, of the cult. At home, it was my nan. Your nan uh, made you have sex with animals. Yeah, um, like goats and donkeys. The story of Teresa is a story almost too horrible to recount. A case of child abuse that goes well beyond the kind of things we normally associate with the abuse of children. In 27 years of reporting. It has to be one of the most painful stories I've ever had to tell. How many men or how many people would have sex with you? Well, at one time. Yes. About everyone who was there, which must have been about 20, you know, from 10 to 20 people. If it was a, a big ceremony, it used to be 30. 
what would your grandma be doing when these men were forcing themselves on you? Usually laughing or smiling or having sex with another man or other men. A chronicle of debauchery and depravity so horrific it's hard to believe. You have to ask yourself, could Teresa be just making it up? No. I know what's true and what's not. No, I know what I saw. Children don't make up elaborate lies that this would have to be if it was a lie, which I, I know it is not. It isn't. This couldn't be a terrible dream, a nightmare that you're reliving. No, it's no dream. It's a nightmare, but it's, it's not one you can wake up from. It's there all the time. This really happened. You're quite sure of that. Yeah. So this really happened. Are you quite sure of that? So I, I, I thought that I could start with showing you other types of whistleblowers. It's painful for people to watch that. There are so many other younger children that have come up to say the same thing. Blowing the whistles on politicians, corporate giants, you name it. Kids climbing out windows of, I don't know, offices and castles. <laughs> People talking about human hunts, right? But all of them are crazy and stupid. This is an elaborate, you know, they're all liars, right? They're all liars, but there was a purpose for that. See, in the 1980s, things began to shift. Media was actually uh, not so compromised because it wasn't so evident. It was a time of Reagan in office where it confused a lot of people, even though they subdued him. Remember, Bush Sr. was a three-term president. Now, he was just the one doing everything. Oh, and if you remember, you should read my article about Bill Barr, who was uh, George Bush's senior right-hand man in that whole Mina Mina stuff, Rancontra stuff. Ah, come on. The corruption was just about to break in the surface unapologetically at that time. So real truth would appear, but slowly, everyone was silenced. The big nail on the coffin when they were like, you know what, we're going to just terminate all of this was the big purge that happened in 2005 uh, at our federal government level. ICE, which you think is only about border patrol, right, only about immigration, was one of the leading teams that our federal government had that would blow the whistles on federal employees and military professionals that engaged in activities that were crimes against humanity and crimes against children. Now, crimes against humanity is used in tangent with crimes against children, um, even though they're two overlapping categories, they're distinctly separate. See, the children fall into the humanity part when it comes to medical experimentation. And I've said this before. I've said this many, many times before for years now, that humans that are being trafficked, the majority of, are not being used for satanic rituals, perverted parties, sex, or as slaves, or as even food for some people, right? Those pop-up human meat events where bodies are donated. 
They're part of like actual human breeding programs to perpetuate the uh, more indulgent, I would say, circles of using children. But the majority of them are used for experimentation. And I've said this many, many times over. This is something that the State Department is very well aware of. And it, uh, you know, uh, causes me great concern when I see that State Department is never mentioned in any of these. Do you believe, well, let's put it this way. The State Department is responsible for any entry or exit of any U.S. or non-U.S. citizen within the United States. I mean, they oversee the visas that are approved and denied uh, along with hand-in-hand with that new division that was created under the Patriot Act called the Department of Homeland Security, which apparently has more authority than any other division of a federal agency that I've seen. Many will say, no, the DOD and Pentagon actually, (laughs) actually. DHS classifies almost everything as national security. The Patriot Act was used to uh, silence dissidents, silence information, and to obfuscate actual conduction of crimes against humanity. So when I was reminiscing years ago about how Epstein spent a lot of money in Ethiopia on artificial intelligence under the purview of now director of the WHO, Tedros. What do you think they were experimenting? Was it really artificial intelligence? Do you think of Ethiopia and think, shit, that's like Silicon Valley right there? Is that what you think of? See, people don't pay attention. And, you know, ignorance in this time, which is the age of information, is a freaking choice. It's a choice when you decide to claim ignorance or to say, well, the media says, and it's like, yeah, see, that's the problem. That's what good little slaves do. They listen to their, you know, owner. Oh, well, they said this, so must be true. Kind of like they said the Russia hoax must be true. You'll be very surprised to see how that was orchestrated to simply deny the transfer of power. It's 2022 and President Donald J. Trump is still waiting for his national security briefing. He's out of office and he still never got one. And then you have to ask yourself, what were they concealing? Why didn't, what is it that they didn't give him? What is it that they didn't want in his hands? See, the, the, the thing about people that can't be controlled is that they're dangerous to people that control the majority. And that is exactly it. See, I don't do leashes. Okay. I don't do leashes. That's what influencers do. They put a leash around your neck to have you follow in some way. I don't do leashes. I don't like leashes. And God is my witness. There is no way someone can rein me in. And I know sometimes I can be a little bit blunt. I guess no, no filter, but I guess I've been wearing a filter over my thoughts and over my speech for so long for the sake of national security and identity and, uh, I don't know, methods and, and, and it's about time I speak. I'm not the nicest person um, in my eyes, right? Because at some point, everything that I was doing, I mean, I question it. Did I not see what I was doing in other countries? 
I know that there was a period of time where I really didn't care. I actually felt this feeling of Damn, people are dumb. They deserve this. I say it. I say it. And I spent a whole life lie upon lie to obfuscate what I would do. But no more. Truth is, it is what it is. It's ugly, it's raw, and nobody likes it. Transparency is ugly and raw, and nobody likes it. I mean, you know, I use the example of me being upset looking in the mirror. I, I don't like what I see. I'm, I'm physically, you know, broken, I'm ill. I don't like the way I look because of that, and, and I need to fix it, obviously. And, and that's a challenge for me. You know, as someone that, you know, praises herself on <laughs> being able to predict things using predictive analytics. You know, that's another thing that people keep saying. She really thinks she's a time traveler. Well, technically, <laughs> I am considering that I can use quantum computing to be able to accurately predict fixed points in time. Now, I've, I've said this many times before. It was right after having given birth to my child and before I was sent off to three different locations, but one, one division, my family or one division knew that I was in one location and the other knew exactly where I was going and others didn't, you know, thought that I was somewhere else. I think I was simultaneously existing at some desk job uh, in Guam <laughs> during that time. But, uh, it, it, you know, it was that one time off the coast of Turkey on a ship where I saw something that I, I, I wouldn't even repeat because people would say that that sounds crazy. It was, it was, it was scary. And it wasn't scary because of what I saw. I've seen some really bad things. I've seen our soldiers, our own people do really bad things. You have never felt pain unless you've watched another suffer. And I say this with so much compassion. Let's pretend, you know, you were stranded on an island and your foot was crushed and you had to saw it off. Let's just like go, let's go gory, right? You can't fathom the pain of cutting off your own leg, but you would stomach it. But what if you're standing there and you see five people literally waterboarding someone, anal feeding them, torturing them, and you have to watch. No matter what they claim they've done, what gives anyone the right to treat another human being like that? See, and then you think, you know, in, in, you know, I'm an Orthodox Christian, right? And you think, well, how can you not fathom that? Didn't they crucify Jesus himself for simply having speech of truth that they didn't like? And so... Uh, we have to think, when we think whistleblower, what does that even mean? Do people have some crazy idea in their mind that it's official and they're protected? I can tell you, you don't. Whistleblowers don't just get attacked by the full force of the government, trying to find something to lock them up for. Something. Anything. But they can also make them a target to get killed. They have lists. 
I actually found out this morning that I got put on one of those. And these are unofficial lefty lists. I knew it was coming. Now, so there's death. Eh, Death can be a double-edged sword. That can cause a lot of problems. We saw what happened with Seth Rich. That didn't go anywhere for them. And there's many more that I will talk about that have lost their lives. Many people that you don't even know exist. And yet, are they of a lesser God because you do not know their name? They're heroes you've never heard of. Times that they've saved you and never got a thank you. And it's okay because they knew what they were doing. People sometimes start off on a, all people start off on a good path. I don't believe that they intentionally decide that they want to cause harm to people. I surely, for one, am a big proponent of that, to have faith in the person that they wish to do good. But something happens. Something called power and ego happens. that propels them into the notion that Human beings are beneath them. This almost reminds me of back in March of 2020 where I was showing you the statistics that they quickly removed, showing the difference between a human with a capital H and human with a little h that were being infected with whatever they were dispersing. But people like to compartmentalize pain or things that may cause them concern. Concern for their sanity. It is It is a problem. You know, I know um, this is this is just a a personal experience. The most recent, I was speaking to someone who's involved in politics, and I said, "You know, we were talking about the the primary for the GOP for the Secretary of State race. There were two candidates, Frank LaRose and John Adams, and." I said, you know, John Adams is just like Frank LaRose. The only difference is is that Frank LaRose bought his seat. They're both funded by the same evil entities. I mean, when you get money from a pedophile like Les Wexner, where his actual victim testified in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial to crimes committed, that's a big deal. When you see that they that you know that there's that one common component that they are okay to receive money from pedophiles, bona fide pedophiles, found to have been pedophiles, how do you put your vote in someone like that? That is the question everyone should ask. How do you do that with a straight face? Do you just pretend that information doesn't exist? Do you say, well, you know, it's just that? Is it just that? See, people don't like the truth, and they fight the truth with very dirty means. I mean, I have papers amongst papers alleging that I'm a QAnon follower, supporter, leader, you name it. None of them do their homework to see that that's not true. They don't. But that's the thing. There's a proverb. What is it? It's better that your eye come out than your, than your name be tainted. And they know that that's a tried and trusted proverb. These people will stop at nothing to silence truth. 
And if the past six years haven't showed you that, I don't know what can. Maybe you enjoy this slavery, but will your child enjoy it when you're gone? What about their children? And what does that say about you? For those of you that are religious, how do you think it'll be on the other side? When you're asked, well, you knew, but what did you do? Oh, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I mean, you know, I was single. I had like three kids. I, I, I was just trying to get by, pay my rent, pay my debt. Like, what, do I, what was I supposed to do? I don't know. Maybe the minimal thing would be vote for the right person. Maybe the minimal thing would be to um, write a letter to your senator, your your house representative. Maybe the minimal thing is that you can maybe host a gathering with your neighbors and talk about these things. And, and in, there's strength in numbers and you can rectify the issue. See, whistleblowers can tell you the truth, but if you don't act on it, what's the point? Are they just supposed to die in the darkness? Because what's that saying? Democracy dies in the darkness. Democracy is the biggest hoax ever pushed on anyone. I believe the term that was created in Greece, nah, those ancient philosophers are flipping in their graves thinking, wow, they totally took that out of proportion. (laughs) Totally. It is known. That from the beginning of time, there's never been a time where the people have actually self-governed. In fact, we have been conditioned to believe that Lord of the Flies would ensue if the people were the ones that were in charge of themselves. And which is true because unfortunately their power is the gateway to evil. And as someone who has been there, as someone, uh, like I said, I wanted to be a nun as a kid. I know. (laughs) What? I know, but I had that too. Now, people can believe what they want, but the truth, like that little girl said, is going to still remain true. Whether you like it or not, truth is truth. And see, the problem that we have these days is that whistleblowers do their part. So that way, when they're on the other side, they can attest that they didn't sit by idly. What Julian Assange tried to do with WikiLeaks is create more of an infrastructure and protection using his crazy Da Vinci level Van Gogh artistic, geez, the guy's a genius uh, in regards to managing uh, cyber communications. He tried to give it a better outlet rather than, you know, that whole journalist Panama paper thing that got the World Economic Forum and UN entities into it. I mean, once you see one tool, that's it. You know, it's infested. It's like, it's like, a, yeah, rust. Once it's there, that shit's going to perpetuate. Whistleblowers are important. And a lot of whistleblowers become journalists. I'm going to draw your attention to one whistleblower that was actually denied press access because he was a whistleblower. He's a former Newsday columnist, Len Levitt, and he talks about why he was denied a press pass as a retaliatory measure by the New York Police Department and how the New York Police Department does this systemically to whistleblowing journalists. You have to ask yourself, when you see journalists that are a little bit bolder, a little bit staunch, 
I guess, in their responses, and give zero Fs, as we say. It's probably because they already have it figured out and they know how it happens. Let's take a listen to him and hear it from him. I mean, I guess maybe he's more credible to you because he's wearing a jacket and, you know, it was interviewed by a brick and mortar thing because this is the problem. People have been conditioned to take that as a, as a, as a, as a notice of, how do you say it? Legitimacy. This is strictly retaliatory. There's no question uh, about it. Uh, in my mind, uh, Police Commissioner Kelly at one point uh, went out to Newsday to complain about my coverage. And he, um, he never, never complained to me. And um, apparently he intimidated the editors because they never specifically told me what it was that he was complaining about. But the fact that a police commissioner would go to a, a newspaper office um, without first talking to the, making his complaint directly to the reporter, I think is uh, an, a gesture of uh, intended intimidation. I've never heard of a New York City of a police commissioner ever doing this before. And do you have any interest then, as part of one of the reasons why you reached out to the New York Civil Liberties Union because you'd like to see you know, other journalists and, and other online writers, other bloggers have access to these same meetings or? Well, no, it's larger than that. I mean, the police department has systemically denied uh, all kinds of people legitimate police documents that the public should be aware of. And the Civil Liberties Union is, is really uh, very good about that. I mean, they are a true uh, freedom of speech uh, operation. I think the documents are going to show that the police department has issued press passes to all kinds of people who, um, by their own so-called standards, they shouldn't have issued press passes to, especially since they're not issuing one to me, uh, somebody who was actually uh, in need and genuinely uh, deserving of a press pass. And it's going to embarrass them. And, uh, that's why they don't want this. Uh, that's why they don't want to release this. Tell us a little bit about why you why this is so why you need your press pass. Why is this so important to your work? Well, um, I was a um, reporter and columnist for Newsday, covering the police department for more than ten years, and um, I wrote a column called One Police Plaza, which I'm con- I've continued since uh, leaving Newsday, uh, but I'm doing it on my own, and I need the press pass to uh, to do my work to be effective, especially to get into courtrooms where trials are going on. I've had a press pass since I was reporting for New York Newsday since 1983. Without a press pass, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for me to get into the courtroom. It just makes it more difficult. It makes it more difficult with my trying to get into police plaza. It's pathetic. Pathetic for the police department that they uh, feel they have to do this. So that was a long time ago, and it still happens today. They won't allow people to speak. They bar any whistleblowers. And then people don't seem to understand just how big of a uh, conglomerate this is. Here is a clip from a 2010 speech by Julian Assange. If anyone deserves their picture in a dictionary under the word whistleblower, it's him. There are so many, of course, but it's him. There are so many people that used to work for agencies, brick and mortar, that had, you know, pay stubs to show, .gov, that have been terminated. 
Terminated meaning terminated of life. Completely terminated. Some of them have survived the tale of being poisoned, of being attacked. See, they found a new tactic. Rather, rather than them kill them, the new one is, we just put a lot of dirt out on them. And, you know, I have, uh, let me explain to you from my perspective, and I'm no Julian Assange. There's people that will come on my timeline and tell me who I am. (laughs) Sometimes I'm listening carefully and I'm like, oh, tell me more. What else did I do? They all form opinions. Why? Because the media told them to. Because some influencer told them to. You have no idea what torture is until you're on the receiving end. I whistle blew one of the biggest, oh, well, a lot of things. I mean, I did tell everyone that North Dakota is China red and look at it now, five years later manifesting. Oh, but I was full of it, right? But I blew one of the biggest whistles anyone could in regards to the fraud of the only state-run bank in the nation. I brought attention to people working together from private bankers to the Federal Reserve to the U.S. Army Corps engineers to the executive office of the 44th president, right? City officials and state legislators to cover up a debt so they can balance their books. Unlike the Ohio GOP, they can't find $3 million. They instead took a $180 million loan and charged it to the people of a city. And do you know how they take care of whistleblowers? Well, aside from manufacturing fake ass things and then filing it in a lawsuit as if they can say whatever they want. And then when it's proven that, no, it's not, you're the only one saying it just because you're saying it isn't true. People will still thump it. But here's the deal. In the end, the truth comes out. Now, what's the other aspect? Torture. Now you have to define torture. Is it pulling up your fingernails? Is it laughing at you when they know that crimes are being done against you? Kind of like the little girl said, you know, they laugh while they tortured us. What about exiting your home and wanting to go to the pharmacy to pick some medicine up and getting things thrown at you by people you don't know because, you know, you fought for them. The actual people you fight for hate you. What about going to the cancer center? That's, this is a real story that happened to me. And I was getting treatment years and years ago. And there I am with a nasal gastric tube, right? More worried about how am I going to do my, my, my work? Sitting in a wheelchair. And somebody from the hospital posting a picture of me and saying, hey, wait till you see her organs inside are really weird. She doesn't even look human. And they're posting the most unattractive photo of me on a, on, on a Facebook page. And everyone in that small city trashed me. See, that's torture. People don't know what torture is. I'm starting to um, be better at not responding to the cyber attacks from people that hide behind anonymous names. But that's torture, going to the supermarket to pick up food because it's the only damn one in town and getting things thrown at you 
What about going to the movie premiere about shutting down Planned Parenthood, right? And sitting down and people you don't know say, oh my God, that's her. And everyone leaves. Hmm? That's torture. I've been through that. And I still endure it today and that's okay, right? I have actually dealt with that. You know, there's someone in our our groups from the North Dakota group that we have who actually joined the bandwagon at some point when the attacks first started with fake websites, fake narratives, putting them out there like it's real. And they attacked me. It was only a few months later when they actually came and said, holy crap, you were right about everything. I'm sorry. And, and she did. She came and told me that. And our first thing, she actually came with me to the movie theater with her grandkids and, and my daughter. And she was there when everyone just got up and left. This is how they treat people that tell the truth. And then you have to wonder to yourself, why? Why would someone treat truth like that? And unfortunately, human preservation, the self-preservation quality that a man has is the most horrible quality that human beings have. The most horrible. Because we are reluctant to accept truth that hurts us. And that is true. All of us are there. I'm pretty sure that when, I, I don't want to say I enjoyed because I didn't enjoy, but I got a high, right? So there was the specific mission. And I remember being, feeling like I'm unstoppable because I was. Like you wouldn't even know who I am and I've just destroyed your whole country. And I was so proud of myself. It went perfect. I thought, did I do that because it made me feel good? Because whatever Swiss number account I have will be beefed up? What is it? What is it that made me tick? And the answer is power slash self-preservation. See, I had that for a very small period of time. And the funny thing is, there were many times in my life that I would get smacked to be reminded, hey, did you forget this? Or like the nuns from the monastery where I, I baptized my youngest. They would suddenly show up in, you know, my conversations or accidentally call or, you know, I'd call a family member. They'd be like, hey, so-and-so called and said to tell you hi. And I'm like, damn, do these nuns have like ESP that I did something bad? Why are they sending me hellos? Right, But we ignore these signs of corruption to ourselves because we don't want to tell ourselves that we are no, no different than those that are evil. And many of us, without our permission, have contributed to all this. I mean, how many of you have stayed up till like one, two in the morning back in the day and you'd be watching TV and there's these kids from Africa with tummies that are bloated because they're starving that have no no hydration in their lips because they're they're parched and they need water with flies sitting on their eyelids right and 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 barefoot with a foot in in poop and and you're sitting there watching it late at night 
munching away on some food, right? And, and, and saying, oh, that's sad. And then you're going to say, well, what could I do? I could probably offer them a dollar, but I can tell you that the charity or the non-government uh, you know, organization, NGOs, right, that has been set up, when you send that dollar, a penny is put to use and it's probably not put to the use that you think that it's going to be put at use to. See, this is it. Understanding that this is it. You know, in, in simple terms, it's 2022. Why are there still people on this, in this construct, in this world with no running water? How is that even possible? You can't even fathom a place with no internet. These people just want basic water. How is that even possible? Where are all these charities that these celebrities and politicians have set up to help them? Oh, look, we made an African school, but all of them are barefoot, have no food, and God knows what they put them through to be able to sit there. Well, this is where whistleblowers come in. I am very pleased to be amongst so many people I can respect. I don't think I have ever been in a room uh, with so many people that I think hold uh, to my values. Uh, that is really an extraordinary honor, and um, I am very grateful for um, the organizers for inviting everyone and me. And I see uh, in the front row um, have Anwar Ibrahim, uh, who I met um, in Malaysia last year uh, at a by-election uh, for the opposition, uh, just after speaking to Anwar a few hours later that night, um, I was detained by the secret police in Malaysia. So when you speak to him, be careful. <clears throat> so we've heard a lot here about the problems in the developing world. And uh, in, in the work that I have done, uh, certainly um, I have covered many of those. Uh, and we are censored in all the, the rogues gallery states of China, Iran, um, Israel. And um, I don't want to talk, however, today too much about that because censorship in the West is also a problem. And censorship in the West is used to legitimize censorship in other countries. And abuses in the West of Enlightenment ideals, which we should all hold dear, and the corrosion of those ideals not only impoverishes Western countries, it is also used as an excuse for terrible abuses in other countries, uh, in particular countries that follow the common law that was set up by the British Empire. For example, abuses of libel law are used in Africa to imprison some fine uh, journalists in severe conditions based upon precedent set in the UK. So I'm not sure how many people here are familiar with the, the basics of my work, and I'll just try and go very briefly through that so you can understand where I'm coming from. 
as a journalist and as a programmer and as someone who was involved in the embryonic internet and bringing the internet to people and bringing that great tool of information and publishing freedom to people, I saw that we could achieve a lot of reform with a little bit of work. And of course, you all know this, and you should remember Solzhenitsyn's words that in the right moment, one word of truth outweighs the world. And Solzhenitsyn was referring to a world of lies. But this still is true for information across the world. And it's also true for information in the West that in some cases, one classified video can possibly stop a war. And maybe 50s definitely can. So we tried to pull together a system to automate that process, to get as much new material, censored material, restricted material, material that we thought would achieve political reform into the historic record and keep it there. And we have in the process become the publisher of last resort. We in the past three years have been attacked over 100 times legally and have succeeded against all those defenses by building an international multi-jurisdictional network by using every trick in the book that multinational companies use to route money through tax havens. Instead, we route information through different uh, countries to take advantage of their laws, uh, both for publishing and for the protection of sources. And that endeavor has been successful in putting over a million restricted documents into the historical record that weren't there before. That's more pages of information that is, than is in Wikipedia. We have gotten into the intellectual record that had been restricted. So you may uh, be, well, you probably won't, but I'm sure Lech will. Um, in 1953, after Stalin died, Beria, the NKVD chief, the chief of the secret police, fell out of favor and was executed. And the great encyclopedia of the Soviet Union had an entry on Beria, three pages. And the publisher sent out a replacement to say that this must be removed and be replaced by an expanded version of the Bering Strait, that body of water between Vladivostok and Alaska. And into every library that bit of paper passed and was pasted in some cases by some librarians, not in others, into the Soviet encyclopedia, ripped out in other cases, but always the glue still visible. But that's not true anymore in the West because archives of information have been centralized on computers. The Guardian's archives are only in one place. They're not in libraries all across the nation that people look for. They're only looked for on the internet. And because of copyright legislation, they're not copied elsewhere to other places on the internet. 
So when something disappears from the archives, the electronic archives of the West, to which all information is moving into, it is gone forever. It has not only ceased to have existed, it has ceased to have ever have existed. And when you go to those web pages that have been removed from Western papers, you won't see the tear lines. You will just see page not found. You won't see anything in the index at all. We are now approaching the state of Orwell's dictum, perfect dictum, that he who controls the present controls the past. He who controls internet servers controls the intellectual record of mankind. And by controlling that, controls our perceptions of who we are. And by controlling that, controls what laws and regulations we make in society. So the specific example that I'd like to give, and there are many, many hundreds of these, and no doubt most of you are not aware of them, is a litigious billionaire by the name of Nahadimi Auchi, the fifth richest man in the UK at one stage, uh, whose birthday uh, painting was signed by 146 members of the House of Commons, a very well-connected man, connected politically, connected in business, and con connected in the social establishment of the UK. He attempted to remove, through legal threats, articles about his conviction for corruption in France in 2003, in the Elf Aquitaine scandal. And he just sent legal threats. He never went to court. And the Guardian removed four, four articles about that case from its records. They were over five years old. And it never told its readers. They removed from the index. When you, go to, when you, if you follow links to them, you'll just see page not found. And so did the Times, and so did the London Independent. And so did major internet companies in the United States. But that's just one example of a litigious billionaire, and there are hundreds. In the UK right now, there are 300 secret gag orders. Those are gag orders that not only prevent the press from reporting corruption and abuse, they prevent the press from reporting that the press has been gagged. This is not the liberal democracy that we had all dreamed of. This is an encroaching, privatized censorship regime. I just wanted to bring something relevant that relates to me so I can speak to it. In the state of Ohio, there has been an unofficial embargo on talking about me being interviewed for Secretary of State, or anything like that. Now, what he's saying is true. A complete embargo. Not allowed to talk about it. Gag order to the press. Not allowed to talk about me. Not allowed to do anything that would have me anywhere in the eyes of the public. Unless it's to destroy me. What he's saying Look, he said that in 2010. We're seeing it today in 2022, clear as day. My campaign knows about it. This is real stuff. This is how they keep us enslaved by controlling our thoughts because they're not allow allowing us to think.
they tell us what we're allowed to think about. Just like everything else in the West that becomes privatized and fiscalized, censorship also is not only a mechanism that is implied by the state. It is something that can be hijacked by wealthy plutocrats, by big companies, to use the coercive mechanisms of the state through the judicial system, through unequal access to the judicial system, through patronage networks, to have material removed permanently from the historical record. So in the West, and we are after all in Norway, we should not be too proud about our sense that there is no state censorship because we have privatized state censorship. We have made it more complex and not as obvious. It is not a brute hammer anymore. It is a sophisticated device like money laundering through Caribbean tax shelters is a sophisticated device where the brutality is hidden in its complexity. Similarly, when we see the path that countries like the United States, which once had a proud tradition of freedom of the press, is going down, we have to question <clears throat> whether it is really holding those values anymore and what we should do about it. Because if we don't have Western countries as a beacon on the hill for enlightenment values, what countries are left to hold that value? You may, those of you who are familiar here with World War II, may remember uh, the statement that was put by the Nazis on front of concentration camps that work brings freedom, an idea that Himmler had when he himself was imprisoned. But in my investigations of exposing documents which include many abuses by the United States military, which include the main manuals for prison camps like Abu Ghraib, Bagram, and Guantanamo, I have seen pictures on the front of those camps of their slogans. So guess which camp has on a bound to defend freedom on the front of it? The defense of freedom as a value is on the front of Guantanamo Bay. And I say, as a perversion of the truth, that that slogan is worse than work brings freedom. And we in the West should be aware of that perversion and understand that the alliance that once existed between liberals and libertarians and the military-industrial complex in opposing Soviet abuses in the Cold War is gone. That once upon a time, people who stood up for Enlightenment values domestically in Western countries, that stood up for human rights and freedom of the press domestically in Western countries, 
libertarians, liberals, and the press itself, were in a tacit alliance with war hawks. They were in a tacit alliance with those people who opposed the Soviet Union merely for geopolitical reasons. And that alliance was to pick up a moral stick and to beat the abuses, the terrible abuses of the Soviet Union in relation to censorship. But as of 1991, that artificial alliance, that temporary alliance has dissipated. And so now we see a split and a reversion back to a different standard where the natural interests of authority, the natural interests of intelligence agencies, the natural interests of the military is in stifling press reportage of abuse. And it has been reasserted in Western countries. How am I going for time? Right there, excellent, okay. So in this broader framework of what we do, um, it is to try and build an historical record, an intellectual record of how civilization actually works in practice. Now, from the inside, everywhere, in every country around the world. Because all our decisions, individual decisions, our political decisions are based upon what we know. Humanity is nothing but what we know and what we have. And what we have can be replaced and degrades quickly. And what we know is everything. And it is our limit of what we can be. So before we embark on any particular political stratagem, we first have to know where we are. Because if we don't know where we are, it is impossible for us to know where we're going. Likewise, it is impossible to correct abuses unless we know that they're going on. So I, I ask you to think about the words of Machiavelli. Think about them in their negative when he said, thus it happens in matters of state, for knowing afar off, which is only given a prudent man to do, the evils that are brewing, they are easily cured. But when for want of such knowledge, they are allowed to grow until everyone can recognize them, there is no longer any remedy to be found. So secret planning, is secret usually for a reason, because if it's abusive, it is opposed. So it is our task to find secret abusive plans and expose them where they can be opposed before they're implemented. Because if they are exposed by the implementation, by, the people, by people suffering from that abuse, then the abuse has already occurred. Like Wuhatan, Kansas. As you can see, Julian Assange led the way in creating an infrastructure of putting information together. He was a lot more level-headed, considering he had taken the brunt 
and heavy smacks from many governments and still stood. He went through uncharted waters in order to create a foundation of where real whistleblowing, not sensationalized, pretend, or pseudo-whistleblowing could happen. And I'm not um, discounting whistleblowers that have failed or, you know, were hijacked or, you know, the Panama Papers was a treasure trove, but it was so sensationalized and so infiltrated by all intelligence agencies that they were willing to burn those cards rather than burn the house down. And so he forged a path in the way things are done. And I, and I believe, you know, when I realized what was coming on that horrific day in the coast of Turkey, I, at that point, obviously had to see what I was going to be doing. I, was, I just had a baby, literally just had a baby. So I did not expect to be shipped out months later and have to create these elaborate covers in different countries and, and, and. But, you know, some of those assignments actually gave me time to think. And my thought was, nothing like the path I took. You know, I had this uh, crazy idea in my mind, hey, I'm just going to head up stateside and mosey on to D.C. and lock myself in a congresswoman or congressman's office and sit there and have cameras on me and blow the whistle. That was my idea. But then the reality hit. After within months of each other, my father and my brother both passed. And an impulsive idea made more sense. An idea that I kind of tinkered with before. Therefore, it wouldn't have been radical or suspicious, right? If I told the contracting agencies that I was with um, what I wanted to do. And so rather than try to blow a whistle in the dark with a million pillows over my face, because the media, do you think CNN would have helped me? Let me guess, 60 Minutes? Hawaii houses, Fox News. I went to school. The best way to figure out what they've planned now with everything we see with pandemics was to learn about it under the guise of whatever. And that's how I got my degree in molecular and cellular biology. That's how I accidentally sat and shared a desk with the guy that found the correlation between HIV and malaria with the only definitive factor of hydroxychloroquine. Yet that wasn't even his research. He was just an epidemiologist looking at correlations of spread. That's how I got into laboratories, the Pesor, Ventner, Bassler, Eli Lilly, mitochondrial institutes, universities, lectures. <laughs> I can go on and on and on. Because I didn't have all the details. I just knew what the plan was. So unlike Julian Assange, I didn't create any infrastructure. 
And I really didn't play nice because in a way we all know that they assume that I may have things that will be causing a lot of ruckus if they came out. And let's be honest, blackmail is not good, but you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. No one knows. But maybe that's what's keeping me alive right now. Until that point in time comes when they don't care anymore. And that point is approaching. Not just for me, for many. So let's take a quick break before we explore more whistleblowing. And take a break watching some interesting, fun, infographic show video. I think you guys are going to like this one a lot. See you in a few. More a concrete box, really. Unpainted and with power cables running along the upper edges of the wall. Some of these cables plunge into adjoining rooms. Others snake down the wall and along the floor to a chair-like device. It looks a bit like an electric chair, but with a bulkier rear section that hums with power. A scientist works at a panel at the rear of the chair, while a second scientist secures a skullcap to the young teenage boy being strapped into the chair by a guard. The skullcap has dozens of wires of different colors and sizes, all running out of it and into the strange machine. The young boy looks scared, but determined. The guard tests the restraints, then when satisfied, nods at two men in black suits, standing by the entrance to this dimly lit concrete room. The men are smartly dressed and both wear dark sunglasses despite the low light. One of the men in black now looks at the scientists. Begin. The scientist at the rear of the machine furiously works the controls as the entire thing powers up with an audible hum of electricity. The boy's eyes widen in fear, but the second scientist leans down to reassure him. Just like we've discussed, concentrate on the target and the date. September 4th, 1976. See the man's face in your mind's eye. Focus on each line and the crease of his face. The boy shuts his eyes and nods. The hum of power in the room grows in volume, almost becoming unbearable. The boy grits his teeth and begins to yell, when suddenly, a bright flash of light and nothing. The boy is gone. A moment later, the boy returns, once more strapped to the chair. He's sweating profusely and panting as the scientists rush to let him out of his restraints. One of the men in black rushes to the boy and lifts his head up. Did you see him? Did you see the target? The boy, exhausted, nods his head. And what did you learn? The boy barely manages to speak in a hoarse whisper, clearly on the verge of physical and mental collapse. He was talking with a man, new, submarine, in construction, called it Akula. The boy faints. As the scientists call for a nurse and remove him from the chair, the two men in black meet together, speaking in low whispers. Tell the president our operative successfully infiltrated Soviet time space. He failed to gather any useful intelligence, except confirmation of what our field operatives already told us. The Russians have built a new submarine, something big. We'll try again tomorrow, with the focus on gathering operational and technical details. Project Montauk, is a success. Project Montauk, the infamous conspiracy theory that might have inspired Netflix's Stranger Things, a show about a secret government lab using psychic children to reach out to a different dimension. Only, if whistleblowers are to be believed, traveling to other dimensions is only the beginning of what the United States government has successfully accomplished deep underground in New York State. Camp Hero New York was established in 1942 on the very tip of Long Island Sound. Disguised as a simple fishing village, Camp Hero was actually a coastal defense station packing some serious firepower, meant to stop a Nazi invasion of New York. The gun emplacements were set in massive concrete bunkers sunk into the earth. 
and defenders would be able to rain hell down on any invaders with three batteries of 16-inch guns and 6-inch guns. Shortly after World War II, the site was abandoned by the U.S. military, with the exception of a long-range radar station meant to monitor the Atlantic for incoming Soviet nuclear missiles. Today, despite efforts to sell the land to developers, environmentalists have succeeded in protecting much of the former facility, which has been turned over to the National Park Service. At least, that's the official history. If you're one of the unlucky few who visited Camp Hero against their will, then you know that the real history is far, far more sinister. Eleven years after Camp Hero was officially shut down, two men underwent hypnotherapy to recover repressed memories they'd buried since they were children. Much to their surprise and horror, the men discovered they had their memories of their time spent in a secret government lab under Camp Hero buried deep into their subconscious. But now, the memories came flooding back. The tale is sinister. Discovered to be psychically sensitive, Preston Nichols and Stuart Sirtlow were both abducted by the government agents and brought to Camp Hero. Entering through one of the old gunnery doors, they took an elevator down to the bottommost levels of a secret underground research lab. There, the young boys were introduced to others like them, but there'd be no time for socializing. The experiments conducted deep underground varied, but all were pushing the very cutting edge of science, and often even beyond that. With rumors that the Soviet Union was busy researching all matter of paranormal phenomena in a desperate attempt to gain any edge they could over their American rivals, the United States government undertook a slew of secret programs to ensure American supremacy in every realm of warfare, even the paranormal. Remote viewing drew great interest from the intelligence community, allowing intelligence agents to get an inside peek at sensitive Soviet installations without their ever knowing. Young children who were psychically sensitive were trained in remote viewing techniques and even had their talents enhanced through a combination of technology and various drugs. But if the U.S. could use psychics to spy on the Soviet Union's most secret installations, then surely the Soviets could do the same. And so the Psychic Warrior program was born, with American psychic soldiers training to mentally defeat enemy psychic spies. Other experiments, however, sought to bend and twist the very fabric of reality itself. In the early 1940s, the United States had successfully teleported an entire warship in the incident which would come to be known as the Philadelphia Experiment. The results of the experiment were messy, however, with the rematerializing ship having fused the living crew to its hull, leaving not a single survivor. Under the quiet grounds of Camp Hero, though, the U.S. sought to perfect this technology. Teleportation experiments began small, with items such as apples or pencils being moved a few feet. The installation of a nuclear-powered generator allowed much greater energy to be dumped into the teleportation experiments. Until a stunning breakthrough. Researchers were able to teleport a test subject outside of the Earth itself. The subject was swiftly returned, but it already suffered exposure to deep space and died shortly after. Over the years, however, the technology would be refined, to the point of allowing Project Montauk scientists to teleport individuals all the way to Mars. In fact, it's believed that in 2012, President Obama himself was teleported to Mars to meet with an alien delegation there running a cooperative research base staffed by both Americans and alien scientists. Aliens, of course, had their hand in Project Montauk, as it was their technology that helped to unlock the secrets of many of Project Montauk's greatest accomplishments. To this day, there is little known about these alien partners that the United States government has allied itself with, or their true intentions for our world. Perhaps Project Montauk's greatest accomplishment, however, was in the realm of time travel. The benefit of time travel is obvious. Imagine being able to send an operative back in time to avert national and global disasters. In fact, history as you know it today is all shaped by Project Montauk. The Allies winning World War II? That's thanks to intelligence sent back in time to warn President Roosevelt of German and Japanese plans. The U.S. triumph over the Soviet Union in the Cold War? Once more, the secret work of American time-traveling spies, 
changing the past to correct future mistakes and eliminate potential threats. Of course, this is the history of Camp Hero, according to Preston Nichols and Stuart Swerdlow. With most of this history outlined in Nichols' series of books named the Project Montauk series, Nichols has been widely discredited and not a single one of his claims have ever been remotely proven to be factual. Even his claims of having degrees in various scientific fields are false, and he himself calls the contents of the Project Montauk books as soft facts. Swerdlow himself has often been discovered to tell contradicting tales of his own backstory, which he, of course, blames on his repressed memories and CIA brain wipes. Project Montauk is pure fiction. But that hasn't stopped legions of people from purchasing Nichols' books or believing the U.S. government really did abduct teenagers to conduct mind control and time travel experiments. Now, go watch CIA spy techniques or click this other video instead. Um, During this break, you guys kind of got a bit of truth because now all those things have been declassified. There actually are CIA documents and that poor guy had almost everything planted and removed. He might have used a cover that they removed and put back. You know, this is how it works. See, and this is how you stay live on YouTube by at the end of giving a lot of truth, you discredit it all with a nice, yeah, you should watch this. So there's another type of whistleblower right there that was also discredited for speaking truth. But it was truth that no one wanted to believe, of course. Now, one has to think, whistles, blowing whistles. What are the problems? Well, in regards to making it clear, hey, we need to be embracing whistleblowers. This was something that was talked about by Big Think in 2012. I wonder where they sit right now in regards to whistleblowing. That'll be quite interesting. Anybody who blows the whistle um, immediately raises a question. Is it the individual? Is it the organization? In my view, any organization which has a whistleblower ought to start from the supposition that they are right, there is an issue to address, until proved to the contrary. And when I say proved, I do mean proved. If I had to hazard an opinion, in most cases, there is an element of truth about any whistleblowing allegation. It may not be absolutely true, but it may indicate something that is a problem, perhaps not exactly the problem indicated. And that in itself, paradoxically, is valuable to an organization. I mean, what we know from history is that in quite a lot of cases, people blew the whistle, nobody paid any attention. It would have been a lot better if the whistleblower had been listened to. That doesn't mean to say all whistleblowers are right, but this is a serious issue. Actually, scandals coming to the open may be a very healthy sign because in my experience, 20, 30 years ago, a lot happened that was never reported, never discussed, and it certainly wasn't ethical. These kinds of practices today are much more likely to come out in the open. So in that respect, therefore, I'm rather an optimist in terms of the general trend. Will there always be ethical issues? I think there will. The borderline in terms of what is ethical and not ethical shifts all the time. And we're not all the same as people. We are very different across countries, across cities, across continents. It's unreasonable to believe that everybody will behave in the same way. I believe that actually there are more checks and balances now in terms of ethical behavior than there were before. If you go back 30, 40, 50 years ago, the environment was one 
in which people kept very quiet about most things. You didn't discuss them. People, things were carved up quietly behind the scenes in a way that today would be regarded as completely unacceptable and quite rightly. So in that respect, therefore, is there an ultimate answer? You know, will we all behave ethically? No. The question is, are the mechanisms there to bring them into the open and to cope with them and not to eliminate them because we'll never do that, but to minimize their harmful effects? Whistleblowers. Like you said, no matter what the whistleblower says, there's an element of truth because it's always from the whistleblower's perspective and what they know. That's how it's done. That's how it gets done. Now, John Stockwell was a former CIA officer for 13 years serving seven tours of duty. After managing the involvement in the Angolian Civil War, as chief of the Angola task force during 1975 covert operations. He resigned and wrote In Search of Enemies, a book which remains the only detailed insider's account of major CIA covert action. Now, if you remember, in the 70s, the Northern African portion and the Middle East were a big target. I've written about how um, and this is because I've actually seen documents that are considered classified, or might I say state secrets, which is even more than just classified right? and top secret. It's like super duper top secret. And um, in fact, the, the, the most telling one was the one about Upper Volta, right? But that's how I knew who Peter Strzok was. How I knew he was in Iran, how his dad and Barack Hussein Obama's mom um, installed the Khamenei in Iran and overthrew a free and, uh, you know, progressive in a nice way, not the insane San Francisco way, values. And they together, Barack Hussein Obama's mom, and we call her mom because she, she was tasked to raise him um, and carry him, not physically, uh, so they they destroy that nation, and their next one was Upper Volta. Hence, he's speaking from experience as the plan was to dominate and sequester all interests of any technology and influence into the majority of the African continent. And the way you do this is that you grab the coasts that are closest to Western and Middle Eastern, which give access to Asia, nations. Let's take a look at a short kind of intro by John. ...in three cities. Now, there are demonstrations in almost every city in this nation, almost every day now. Some of them bigger, some of them are people are getting out on the streets and moving. And the fact that the New York Times would notice it, I mean, they said it was like there were the first three demonstrations. It was just that they bothered the fact that they would bother to mention it, to have an article about it, to have photographs of people demonstrating. This clearly is an indication that for some reason they're turning a little bit. And that reason may be because of the disastrous, blundering performance of Ronald Reagan in Iceland. And it may be because at the outset of his Nicaraguan war, moving from phase one to phase two, uh, he was caught out in illegal activities. 
uh, and we can talk about all of these things later on. Uh, when you get to the point, you recall, the Vietnam War was shut down. When we got to the point in the society where the Walter Cronkites and the media began to acknowledge the, the mistake, the lies, and turn on the administration and force them, uh, put pressure on them. Uh, what we're going to talk, uh, talk about tonight is Nicaragua, it's about Central America, it's about the secret wars of the CIA, but it's about a lot more things than that. Uh, to say the obvious, we live in a, a beautiful country, perhaps in some ways the most prosperous, richest, beautiful country, we're all aware of that. I fought in three wars defending this country and the freedoms that we brag about and all, and just look at this building. And the, uh, What we're going to talk about tonight, though, is, is not that. And it's also not altogether, it's only indirectly about the good people in the United States. And there's lots and lots of good people. Unfortunately, uh, it's in human nature to balance out the good with evil. And uh, in this country, for all of the good things we are, have, and do, we seem determined, one way or another, to keep something going that uh, just about balances out all of the good with something that... Uh, it's difficult to find a better word for than evil, if you'll forgive me. Uh, everything I'm going to be talking to you about tonight is in the public record already. You don't need me to come here and put it together for you. Uh, this, this information in one night, it's devastating to a lot of people. Old-time activists go away a little bit uh, shocked. But what they know, but just having it all put together at one time, and people are just getting into activity and awareness, uh, have trouble shifting gears and, and adjusting. I try to document it as best I can. As I go, I have a bibliography. You can go and read for yourselves. I urge you to do so. I'm going to be telling you that our government lies a lot about very important things. Now, obviously, if I'm saying that Mr. Reagan lies, I could be the one that's lying. And the only way people can figure out the truth or have any chance of figuring out the truth is to get involved. Go and read for yourselves. And this is very important. The French have a saying, them that don't do politics will be done. If you don't go out and get yourselves involved, then you've got no right to complain. When Mr. Reagan grabs you or your son or your loved one and sends him down to Nicaragua to kill people or to be killed, and you don't have any right to complain really when the bombs start going off. If you haven't gotten involved now, well, there's still time to do something about it. What we're talking about overall is the fact that we live in a world that has grievous problems. As Helen Caldicott likes to put it, our planet is terminally ill. The disease is the nuclear arms race, and it's not a long-term disease. What we're talking about is the 52,000, soon to be 70,000 nuclear weapons that malfunction all the time and are in the control of visibly fallible, angry human beings. The world we live in today has the kind of economic problems that have gotten us into world wars in the past. Leaders of countries, leaders of banks have never been able to balance their checkbooks. Just like families, they screw it up all the time. They have throughout history and they've done it again. Only this time, the opportunity of resolving the thing by having a war that reduces, you know, capitals of countries and countries themselves to rubble so you can start over again 
isn't available to us because of these 52,000, soon to be 70,000 nuclear weapons. What I'm talking about is a world in which the world's richest country, the United States, is now a significant de debtor nation. In the last six years, our internal debt has gone from 900 billion to 2.4 trillion dollars. And we've become an external debtor nation for the first time since World War One. And that's now we're not going to listen to the whole thing, but you should listen to many of the interviews that John Stockwell, the CIA whistleblower, has has given. But again, a lot of people aren't in, are, aren't even familiar with that name, yet they complain about the situation that they're in because they do not listen to things that the media doesn't shove down their throat. Now, I, I, I stopped it on that point because I'd like you to ponder this. And, I, and, I, and I've said this too. We are a nation that has military bases in almost on, uh, well, not almost, on literally every continent. We have our soldiers stationed overseas, which makes no sense because, I, I don't know, do you see any French base in the United States? What about German? What about, you know, Saudi? Huh? Mexican? No. But yet our nation has bases in every single corner of this world. Now, and I want you to think about it. Just, let's pretend you're not, you don't look at yourself as an American. Hoorah, yeah, we should be everywhere. Take a step back. You wouldn't be okay with having a German base in the United States. You wouldn't be okay with having a Greek base in the United States, a Mexican one, a Ecuadorian one. Let's just pick any one. What country would you be okay with for them to operate their own base? See, that's a question that a lot of you don't want to answer because then you're like, shit, was I that dumb? No, you just didn't take the 40,000 foot view. People who say things like, I don't do politics, then don't bitch when your head starts rolling and they start rolling you down and then they force you to live in these line communities that are so great and technologically advanced and you're going to have great food just like the Jetsons come in filled with cricket protein and jabbed with almost anything under the sun for the good of mankind. See, people don't like to take that 40,000 foot view because a lot of truth smacks them in the face just with that, that notion themselves. Think about it. Now, am I saying that our nation is evil? No, this nation is filled with amazing people that the rest of the world consider stupid. Indeed. And I'll show you what I mean. To just bring it a little bit more humorous, but not... Um, this is why they mock Americans. Where is it? Um, there's one from Australia that did it. How stupid Americans really are. So the reason I say this is because I know a lot of you will get mad, right? But I love my country. I was born here. I was raised here. And I believe in the foundations that created this nation. But just for you to understand the gravity of how the rest of the world sees you, uh, many say this is why they hate us. Yes, because they can't believe that people would be that stupid. But indeed, they are. And when I say stupid, right, I don't, I don't mean to insult your intelligence. But on the other hand, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. So, you know, I'm stupid on a lot of things. 
But this is how they mocked the whole situation. And then you have to take it another step. Well, they're that dumb, but yet that nation conquers everything, but yet that nation has the most debt in the world. Wait, what? Hold on. How are we in every corner of this planet with the most sophisticated bases, sophisticated satellites, sophisticated technology, sophisticated infrastructure, yet we're the ones most in debt? That's a question you should ponder on. Oh, a lot of people give Americans a bum rap for being stupid and knowing nothing about the world, but the reality couldn't be further from the truth. As I discovered on the streets here, asking US locals about the very world their country runs. Name a country that begins with you. Yugoslavia? With you, Utah. A country that starts with a U. Uh, utopia. Who is in the coalition of the willing? No freaking idea. Afghanistan, Kuwait, Iraq, Pakistan, uh, you know. <laughs> New Zealand? New Zealand. What's the religion of Israel? Israeli. Awesome. Islamic? Catholic, probably. What religion are Buddhist monks? Buddhist monks. Buddhist not. Buddhist not. Buddhist not. Islam, I don't know. Who won the Vietnam War? We did. Uh, was- <laughs> Wait, were we even in the Vietnam War? Okay, good. <laughs> who is Fidel Castro? A singer. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no sides. One. What is the currency used in the United Kingdom? <laughs> What's the currency in the United Kingdom? What is it? In the United Kingdom, I don't know. Possibly American money. Queen Elizabeth's money? That's all I know. I'm a country that begins with you. A country? Yeah. <laughs> um... What about this one? What? United States of America. <gasps> um, in terms of the war on terror, who do you think should be the next country to invade? Saudi Arabia. Maybe somebody in the Middle East will make a big glass crater out of the fucking Middle East, for all I care. Um, I'm thinking Italy. Italy. Mm-hmm. Cuba. Cuba? Yeah. Iran. Iran? Why is that? Uh, I think there's a revolution going on pretty soon. Russia, China. India and Pakistan. Indonesia. Brazil. Korea. Korea? Korea. Yeah, why do you say that? They're trouble. They're trouble? Yep, okay. What, what's trouble about them? That's their attitude. Canada. Sri Lanka? Right here. Ah. Never heard of it. Iran. Iran? Iran? Okay. Yeah. All right, do you want to put a, put a number one in Iran then? Stop, 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 stop. Where are we? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking in. Okay. North Korea. North Korea. Why do you think North Korea? Uh, nuclear. Nuclear. Yeah. Probably France. France. Oh, yeah. because of the okay. al- they want our allies. Right. Number two on France. Why would you say France? Yeah. Oh no, I just seem to be some friction between <laughs> France and the United States. Where do you think the best place to invade Iran would be from? Either to be from the, the north or the south or the east or the west? I think it could be east. West. You know, and it's amazing because I just realized just now that North Korea is a lot larger than South Korea. I didn't yeah. know it was that large like yeah. that. Coffee Anan. Is a drink true or false? Coffee's a drink. Coffee and what? It sounds like a law firm. Yeah, who is Tony Blair? I don't even know. Okay. All right. Any guess? Any guess? Skater? Tony Blair is an actor. Linda Blair's brother? Which countries are in the axis of evil? Um... I know Germany's one of them. I'm not sure on the other ones. 
Okay. California. Yep. New York. Jerusalem. Right. Jerusalem. Okay. There's, there's more than one. I think all of them. Florida. Okay. I'm a little bit mixed up with the Palestinians mm -hmm. and the Israelis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which one is throwing the rocks? Oh, I can't think of the other name of the other one. The, the fellow with the turban thing and I call it a <laughs> diaper head, really. Yeah, I believe Mississippi. Who was the first man on the moon? John Glenn. Armstrong walked on the moon, but I think it was a Russian. I'm not sure. Well, I got to tell you, some people don't believe that happened. They believe that was uh, reincarnated in, in Arizona somewhere. What is a mosque? Don't have any idea. You want to guess? An animal. I had no intelligent guess. Okay, do you want to make a stupid guess? How many kidneys does a person have? One. What is collateral damage? Well, they just made a film about it, but that's definitely not what it is. It probably has something to do with what the movie was about, but not necessarily related to the movie. Do you know what I mean? How many world wars have there been? Three. Which state does KFC come from? What, the chicken? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Okay, do you, do you know what KFC stands for? Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Star Wars is based on a true story. True or false? True. Uh, what are Hiroshima and Nagasaki famous for? Uh, what is it, wrestling? How many Eiffel Towers are there in Paris? I say about here. What is Al-Qaeda? Al-Qaeda is a group, is a group, uh, suicide group in Israel in the uh, Middle East that they do suicide bombs and stuff. Okay, right, yep. Um, and it's and the, the president of it is Yasser Arafat. Right, yep. Everybody knows that. Okay. Listen to my answer. Al-Qaeda is a wing of the Masonic Order. Where was the Berlin Wall? What is the main religion of Israel? Muslim. The language they speak in Latin America is Latin. True or false? The what? Believe me, I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> Israel? So some people will say it's down to education, but if you asked any of them, like what hair strand was out of place when Michael Jackson was on stage or what the latest episode of the Simpsons were, or, you know, what the last thing they saw on CNN was, or do you use mascarpone cheese or cream cheese to make cheesecake or both, right? They would answer that. But See, that's the thing. And when we have immigrants that come to this nation to work, right, a lot of people are either one, intimidated or two, intimidated. Why? The majority of people outside of the United States speak at least two languages. They probably know most of the major currencies that are going on. There's Indians right now that rent sidewalk to sleep on and they could off the top of their head tell you what currencies are used in major companies uh, and nations and what the exchange rates are. They could probably they, they probably speak both Hindi and Urdu, right, depending on where they are. Some of them may speak Bengali, too. And of course, English. So the difference is this is this is my point to you is that propaganda and all of these mysterious uh, fabrications of everything are to intentionally keep the population of the United States dumb.
dumb to what's really going on, dumb to actual information, dumb, deaf, and blind. So when the truth actually comes out, you can't even recognize it because you haven't seen anything. I mean, I remember when I finished high school really early and I was on vacation, I decided to stay in Greece and I actually signed up to the local high school because I want to hang out with friends. They were older than me, but I wanted to experience that Greek high school rather than whatever. So I was a kid. I wanted to hang out with my cousins and friends. Guys, kids that were, I remember my younger cousins were in like fifth grade. Was he fifth grade, fourth grade? And he was looking at quadratic equations. And I'm like, damn. I remember in the fourth grade, people are still fucking focusing on fractions. See, and, 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 and while most of us will say, well, it's the video games, well, it's the cartoons, well, it's the, no, it's not. They have cartoons there. They have video games there. The problem is, is that we were being sequestered, not only as a people, you know, uh, you know, in our cultural regional nuances within the United States, but mentally sequestered to be dumb to not ask questions, to accept authority. And that came from the school education that was, it almost looked like a cookie cutter factory. You know, you go in, you say your pledge allegiance, which is fantastic because, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I am a hundred percent because we are all citizens of this nation, <laughs> but you would never question authority. And, and, and don't forget, adults get more respect overseas than they do here. But it was that we would never question authority that speaks from a position of privilege. Like, I have a white coat. Shut up. I'm a doctor. Don't question me. I'm a lawyer. Don't question me. I'm a judge. Don't question me. I am an elected official. Don't question me. I remember when, when I was young, I was on the tarmac um, and Clinton was landing in Greece and he was being chased away with trucks packed with tomatoes. No one ever mentioned that on the news, right? No one. I remember <laughs> a summer when I was a kid and there were elections going on in Greece and uh, a prime minister was speaking and my grandfather wanted to go see him. So I kind of tagged along. There was an old lady who said, you want my vote? She smacked him right across the face and said, you're not getting anything. You're not doing what we want. You're all into these capitalists. We're stuck between socialism and capital uh, socialism that is masked as capitalism. The lady literally smacked the prime minister and then everybody else joined in right? <laughs> because they were like, who are you to come and tell me that I have to vote for you and that you represent me? People were actually holding people accountable. Now, for me as a kid, I saw it as funny. Obviously, it's not that funny, but could you imagine if we actually had the, the, the no bounds, uh, elevating these people the way we've been taught in school to make themselves feel like they're a more superior to us, that they were just on the same level eye to eye. And you'd be like, shut up. Don't talk to me. Who the hell do you think you are right now? You turn around and tell anyone who's in an elected position. Who do you think you are? They will flex and, and crush you because they can't. Kind of like Paul Pelosi, which was really weird, mind you. So apparently, you know, this account called Entheos said that it must have been Fenibut, uh, which was used as a drug. We don't know. That hasn't been disclosed. But apparently drugs and alcohol were indeed the cause of Paul Pelosi and his drunk driving. 
And what's really weird is, is that he tried to use a get out of jail free card. I'd really like to know that one. But what was interesting was the timing. Pelosi was going to Taiwan right now. Timing is everything. Why would you go right now? And the first thing that I thought of is, do you guys remember when Ilhan Omar suddenly went to Africa and she was doing a tour at the, uh, you know, at the Horn of Africa, but she was in Burkina Faso, you know, that used to be Upper Volta, but the United States tore down that government and created Burkina Faso, which is, by the way, beheading a ton of Christians. Yeah, that one. So while she was there, news was starting to leak about her new boyfriend, which was her campaign guy, who's been getting a ton of cash, you know, her handler. And so he's, you know, she's Western man. And so this Somali lady dumps her husband from Burkina Faso by signing her divorce from there as the news started to trickle out. And it almost makes you wonder, is Pelosi out on this campaign, sick as she is, um, for the same reason? Is she going to Ilhan Omar, Paul Pelosi? Who knows? We're going to find out. Right. So this is, you know, my thought. Did Pelosi just Ilhan Omar Paul? Right. Um, but these are all things that matter on timing, on timing of when we realize things, on timing of understanding things, of timing, because in retrospect, we all understand what the whistleblowers are telling us. Imagine if 10 years ago you heard Julian Assange, she'd be like, ah, oh, they say he's a rapist. He's just saying he's just a hacker. Now you understand it differently. Now you understand uh, what the New York Stock Exchange is, the difference with the DAX, the German one, uh, LSE for the London Stock Exchange, Nippon, the, Japan, the Japanese market. And then you're starting to understand how things move. You understand what OPEC is. See, this was all about education. Unfortunately, the education was in reverse because that was the purpose. The stupider we keep Americans, the easier we can still get away with everything we do. And see, this is how it moved forward. And there are a lot of people that are still in the military, were in the military, in federal jobs, or, or not there anymore. State, city, county. You guys know. And even if you don't believe in God, and, and, and we're going to go over this oath thing at some point, maybe, maybe over the weekend. You must remember what your oath says. Words have power. And it is every person's duty to maintain the power of those words. I'll continue my whistleblower themes as we go. For now, I'm going to bid you a fantastic evening. Um, and talk to you again tomorrow live with some more. I don't know, stuff. Because I think today we may indeed have some mm, breaking news almost. Maybe. Is it today or tomorrow? Fixed point in times. <gasps> Let's remember, tomorrow is our self-proclaimed National Trump Day. Tomorrow, I urge all of you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook to put your favorite picture with your favorite Trump outfit shirt. I got my shirt with the faces and make sure you post it to social media with hashtag happy national Trump day, hashtag suck it Obama because tomorrow is Obama's birthday. And what better way to impeach 44 than to flood social media with love for president Trump? I think he would be very upset. The media would too. So why don't we show president Trump 
the love. Why don't we show that, yeah, we can self-proclaim a national holiday on anything, and our choice is National Trump Day on August 4th. Let's begin that trend starting tomorrow, and let's show Obama what it really means to be a president that's loved and a president that focuses on the people. No better way, I think, to show that. What do you guys think? I think that's a fantastic idea. I really got those, uh, what was it, those, those cool shirts that we saw at the last rally, you know, with all the faces. I bought two, one for me and one for me. <laughs> well, I might share, but uh, I think all of us should uh, show that love. Until then, God bless. You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with some money we've got Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Um, this is Daniel and he's about to imitate Ali <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it Come on, Daniel I don't want to die Daniel's about to imitate Ali no. And one of his periscopes. I, I, I can't. Ali is an infinitely talented, possibly uh, divine individual. Talented and who divine. Sent to us from another dimension to enlighten us as to the inner workings of the universe. It's true. He's a demon. Anyone who denies it is an anti-Semite and a Holocaust denier. That's true. I agree. And one other fellow Jew agrees with me, so we clearly speak for everyone. So what does Ali say? (laughs) Where is this going to go? This is going to go in my YouTube video. (laughs) No, it's not. It's such... It's... Come on. I can't. They love you. Look, there's Reagan. Reagan agrees. Right? Right, man? Who's Reagan? He said yes. President. The President Reagan? We, you know, President Reagan, sometimes I feel like he might have been overrated. Really? Yeah, and I, and I feel like for saying that, like, a sniper is going to take me out through this window back here. How do you know I'm not the sniper? Because... Group think. Actually... We've seen, uh, you have an example on your wall over there of um, this is your shooting ability, so you actually could be. Is Cardis the original American sniper? This is it. Check it out. Get a good look. This is my first time shooting. First time shooting. I'm, I also, that kind of scares me. I know, right? And yeah, it's a little bit scary. And, you know, but these is, these Israelis, they're just like, you're not Israeli. They're very good. They're very good with weapons. They make oh, great weapons. Okay, so you're not going to imitate Ali? No. <sighs> I'll do it. You can always do it, because this is what you do. These whores are whoring themselves out to the media, and they're just gang-raping everybody. They're just gang-raping all the whores for the media. And... What's funny about that is he actually does sometimes record and then he's like fixing his hair. 
He's very, he's like, he always has perfect hair. I'm so jealous. These whores are whoring themselves out to the media and then the media turns and slut shames them. And then the media turns and gang rapes everybody. And that was the encore. I really did feel a little bit trolly. But what did he say? Ali Akbar came from another dimension. You know, no matter what you hear, sometimes there's an element of truth. Even when they're lying, there's an element of truth. Please remember that. Element of truth, even when they're lying. So it's very important you listen when they speak. Because they will tell you everything you need to know. Because they can't help themselves. They like bragging. Oh, 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 oh,